but newspress.com. Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Money Talk. I'm Neil Chrysell and Diane Duvernay are your hosts every week right here on AM 1290, repeated at 11 and Saturdays at 4. We're brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending, whose highly trained and experienced team takes great pride in helping people with home financing, offering competitive rates at a wide array of loan programs. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people in Santa Barbara at Figueroa and Anacapa Streets and Amatecito's Upper Village. And Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm in Santa Barbara, providing its clients with the personal care and attention of a small independent firm, coupled with the vast resources of a major financial institution. Happy Monday, Neil. This is the Thanksgiving edition. How are you doing today? I'm doing fine. But, you know, I've been reading so much about all these uh, recounts that I'm thinking, you know, my... uh, EFT that I've invested in hasn't done as well as the market. I'm ask. I'm thinking of asking my EFT to do a recount. <laughs> I mean, That's everyone's funny. everyone's asking for recounts. I, I don't. You know, probably not. I productive. know it's it. It doesn't feel like it's productive, and I feel like it's costing the taxpayers lots of money for all these recounts. And one of uh, his lawyers, the female lawyer, looks like she uh, needs a job now. So uh, I could probably get someone as good as she is. You probably could. You probably could. Yeah. So what are you doing on this festive uh, festive holiday week where there's no festivities? We're having a small gathering of 90 people at my house. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> He's kidding. Don't I'm listen only, to him. No, I'm going to be hibernating. Hibernating like you have been for the last eight months. Yes, well, anyways, on with the show, we are thrilled to have with us Rob Hambolton who is a um, commercial broker for Radius Group. And Rob, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me, Diane. So the first article I have is um, called A Stock Market Bubble, It's More Like a Fire. And I'm not sure that this article gives any insight about how to handle your investing, but it's pretty interesting about the causes of financial bubbles and speculation. Um, the, the article begins by saying something we, we kind of all knew that so far in 2020, the, the FANG stocks uh, are up 78%, whereas the uh, uh, S&P is only up 11%. And, you know, that's typical of a bubble. And the term bubble, the article points out, this is the Wall Street Journal and the Intelligent Investor, uh, it came from uh, the idea that Speculation is like a bubble that bursts, like chewing bubble gum. But uh, Jason Swag, who wrote the article, says it, it, it probably would be better to use um, the metaphor rather than as a bubble, but a fire. And uh, if you look at a fire, it needs three things. It needs oxygen, it needs fuel, and it needs uh, heat. And you know, looking at it from that standpoint, the oxygen in uh, a stock market uh, over reaction is uh, uh, is marketability, the ease of buying stocks. And over the centuries, it's become easier and easier to buy stocks. Now you can just pick up your smartphone and buy stocks. And the second is of the fire of the fire triangle example is fuel, and that's financial markets 
uh, and money and credit availability and low interest rates, which have made it much cheaper to borrow. And that certainly has been a factor this time. And the third of this triangle is heat. And that is he, is, as Jason calls it, is, is speculation. And so when you have these three things together, uh, you can get what's, what he calls is a spark. And uh, you get the kind of boom of us that we've had over the last 300 years. So it's sort of, sort of an interesting way of looking at uh, the boom of bust environment that we're in without really giving us any help in, def- in determining whether or not this, this current stock market uh, uh, bull market is going to end in a bust. Well, when you think about it, when you think about how much cash is on the sidelines, you're looking at $17 trillion in cash. That's you know nine months worth of our GDP pre-pandemic. Um, that's a lot of cash. And then if you take out a whole seg- sector, meaning the bond market where interest rates are zero, there's no real place to go besides the stock market and the real estate market, both of which you're seeing growing at huge amounts, unprecedented um, um, growth, which oftentimes does lead to a bubble. And that leads us into our next article, which we've talked about before, which are special purpose acquisition corps or SPACs. And we've talked about it, I think we even talked about it last week, that these SPACs are essentially uh, shell companies that people invest in. And the companies go out and buy a uh, non-public company and do a reverse merger. And the non-public company is able to uh, become public without going through the SEC, uh, which is a sort of a risky concept. Well, this article in, in the New York Times this week uh, has a study that shows of 107 that have gone public since 2015 through a SPAC. Um, once the stock started trading, the average return on these common stocks has been a loss of 1.4%. Well, if you think about it, that makes sense. This is like, you know, it's private equity without actually getting the, having the unicorn in the the bunch because it's just one. It's actually an incredibly risky investment, not one that people should embark upon lightly. Well, it's not only risky, but the way it works is that the promoter gets 20% of the shares. So think about it. As soon as it goes public, you lose 20% of the value because typically the a promoter sells the stock. So it's not only risky, it doesn't go through the SEC scrutiny, but it also means that there's going to be a 20% haircut on day one, probably. And as a result, you see that over the last five years, even with the continued attractiveness of this over the last year, which has been even greater uh, use of it, the total return has only been a minus 1.4%. Well, maybe um, they're looking for tax loss. Uh, the third uh, article I have for today is defaults rise for high yield munis. And, and what's a high yield muni? A high yield muni um, is not a good muni that happens to have a high yield. It's in many cases so complicated that the only uh, investor that's permitted to buy it are qualified investors. Some of these uh, muni uh, bonds are um, uh, not simply for the backing of Uh, a new sewer system or water supply for uh, a town, but uh, some type of this, there's one here that was done for gold, for gold mining in Arizona. So um, there is, you know, such a a demand for yield, particularly among high uh, tax rate investors, that people are searching for yield and are willing to buy these high yield munis. And this leads into the second article I have, which is that uh, 
there is now a booming market in municipal bond insurance where uh, community uh, issuances are now looking not only to buy more insurance on their issuing to, to issuance to get their rate down, but now, and I didn't realize this, first, uh, for the first time, I see now investors who are buying these are buying their own private insurance on the bonds that they're purchasing because they want the yield, but they're not really convinced that the quality is so good. So they're hedging their bets by buying insurance, uh, not through the bond issuer, but per, through a private insurance company to, to hedge their bets. You know, it's crazy with that people are buying municipal bonds with such risk that they're buying their own private insurance. When you think about that, what is the purpose of buying municipal bonds is for safety and guaranteed uh, interest rate. If you want to take on that risk, which feels like a lot of risk, I haven't seen the standard deviations. However, you might as well put it into the stock market where your risk will then be rewarded with an actual return. It, it doesn't make any sense. Well, this is another manifestation of, of, of uh, desire for yield and for tax avoidance. And so you've got a lot of rich people out there that don't want to pay taxes and want to increase their yield. And uh, they're willing to take these kinds of risks. Uh, the next article is entitled Selling a Business and Saving a Legacy. And uh, private, uh, smaller, not smaller necessarily, but privately owned companies um, sometimes opt for ESOP sales, which is uh, a employee uh, uh, employee stock purchase option plans, stock yeah. option, where you you create this 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 fund that uh, employers employees can invest in the company and buy the company from the owners rather than the owners selling it. And this article in the New York Times discusses some of the benefits both for the employees and for uh, this, the uh, the owners and for the owners it, it saves their legacy that is it provides for the business not to be eaten up by a big company and their name disappears and for the the employees it it it, it gives them uh, an equity and not be gobbled up and have a say in in the business and um, the there's ironically the article talks about how few companies actually do this. And uh, one of the reasons is it's sometimes not recommended to them by financial planners, um, and it's and it's complicated. Of course, the other reason that it doesn't it's not done always uh, as much as one would think is that in order for this to work, the employee has to have borrowing power to actually go out and 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 put money into the ESOP. And a lot of companies, employees just don't have that kind of money. Right, and a lot of times, um, owners of these companies want a big a big hit and and out, you know, yes, the legacy is important, but sometimes the, the more of the more dollars in a mergers and acquisition with a huge company yields them more return. And the last article for today is from the uh, wall street journal also, and it's entitled the video call is so last century. And, um, you know, when we take a look at, at, at zoom and, you know, and Skype, we think of, you know, the technology over the last, two years, three years, five years. Uh, but actually, uh, video calls have been around for 100 years. And uh, it just didn't click there. And the article goes through all of the introductions that were made. Um, and, uh, you know, it, 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 there's he's got sightings from France, from America, uh, where 
uh, Bell Labs came out with a product called Molnar, which predicted by 2000 picture phones would be the primary mode uh, for people communicating. And it never clicked. And all of a sudden, and I guess all of a sudden, I guess because of COVID, it's now clicked. And uh, so sometimes an innovation you know, needs to wait for, you know, people to actually want to use it, even though uh, what the article says, surprisingly, the quality of some of these, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 year old products actually were pretty good. Yeah, I guess it was at the World's Fair. My mom always tells me that um, when she was a, a young girl in New York City, she went to the World's Fair and they had video conferencing at that time as a new invention. I don't know how old you are, but was that the one Judy Garland was in in uh, Meet Me in St. Louis? No, no, that was 1906. That couldn't have been it. Uh, <laughs> All right, you now you're dating yourself. <laughs> no, it was a good. You didn't. You, you don't. You didn't uh, see that movie, Meet Me in St. Louis, with Judy Garland. I did not. You did not. It's a very good movie. Um, you're listening to. Uh, what are we listening to? We're listening to Money Talk <laughs> on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California, of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the Kelly Marsh team.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Only in the forest can you see this. And this. And this. But nothing beats the moment you see that. Cool! That's your child's eyes opening up to a world of possibilities. I didn't know it could do that! Because one trip to the forest can spark a world of difference. There are some moments only the forest can inspire. Find yours at discovertheforest.org. Learn about forests near you and discover cool things to do when you go, like hiking, canoeing, fishing, or camping. Or create your own adventure with family and friends, and you might just see this. Your moment's out there. Find it at discovertheforest.org. That's discovertheforest.org. Brought to you by the U.S. Forest Service and the Ad Council. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Cornerstone Home Lending. Since 1988, a mortgage banker and direct lender that believes in providing in-depth loan consulting to its customers in a personalized and honest manner. And we can be reached at 805-564-1290, or you could email us at moneytalk1290 at gmail.com. So if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Rob Hamilton 
um, who is a broker at Radius. He joined Radius in 2010 after he was working as an asset manager. Hey, Rob, we could talk a little bit about that too today. <laughs> and um, then he quickly set out to learn and hone his skills in the leasing and sales for commercial real estate. So Rob, thanks so much for being here with us today. Thanks for having me. appreciate it. So tell us, what, what made you want to get involved in the commercial real estate business? Well, I was managing properties for a while and kind of decided that I knew all the tenants anyways. And we went through the recession in 2008, 2009, and uh, we were dealing with um, some interesting issues with trying to kick tenants out and bring new ones in. And uh, it just seemed like a, um, a natural solution to move over to brokerage. And, and so when you, um, when you say you were managing um, buildings and tenants, what, are, what were you seeing that in 2008, 2009 that's similar to what we're, we're experiencing today with the pandemic in terms of commercial real estate, retail, you know, a, a, typical, um, a, a typical building on State Street? Well, it's interesting because it, it, it's pretty different now than, than it was then. Um, I think a lot of landlords learned to work with tenants from, from that. Um, there were a lot more lawsuits going on. There were uh, a lot of things happening on State Street um, that, that were different than now. Uh, what we're seeing now is a lot of landlords are working with tenants and, and they're being uh, so far have been very amenable. And even though we have a high interest, uh, you know, vacancy rate, um, what we're finding is, is it would be a lot higher if people didn't if landlords weren't working with their tenants. So we had a high vacant vacancy rate going into this pandemic. I should, yeah, the beginning of the year going in, you know, the conversation was always about retail in Santa Barbara, you know, the Santa Barbara court, the straight street corridor being too long, having too much. How, how was it going to be redefined? Do you think that with the in introduction of um, no vehicles on state street and closing it down and having dining on the street and, merchants being able to come out on the street. Do you think that that will be a long-term solution to revitalize that corridor? I think it'll be great for revitalizing certain areas. I don't think that we can do it, you know, from Sola Street to the water uh, or, or, you know, from Sola Street uh, on, on down to Gutierrez. I think we're gonna have to take certain sections. We have to be mindful um, that those people that have restaurants and, and it's wonderful that they have the parkettes, but what, what we're finding is, is people aren't really going into the boutiques beside the parkettes because they're, they're kind of getting overshadowed. So either bring the, bring the boutiques kind of out to the street and do a, do a street market um, or, or shrink it down a little bit and open up, not all of it, but parts of it. But I think it's a great thing. I think that, that without it, we would be hurting even more than we are now. And, uh, and I just hope that the city officials continue on with it or, 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 or figure out some, some creative way to, to, to keep it there. Sometimes, it, yeah. sometimes, you know, a, a lot of times the stock market doesn't reflect earnings um, and anticipates, you know, future uh, rebounds. Uh, are the cap rates for sales of commercial properties reflective of the current uh, problems that tenants are having now, or are they looking past this into the future? You know, it really depends on the asset class. Um, in retail and office in the last couple of months, it, it, it isn't. Our, our cap rates are generally about the same as they were going in. Um, as far as industrial is concerned, which is kind of the hot button right now, everybody wants industrial. It's the safe bet. Uh, industrial meaning like things like uh, 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 computer, Warehouse, storage, um, 
you know, self-storage, uh, anything, anything, uh, anything we're going to store anything is pretty valuable right now. But other than a computer center, uh, storage should not have a particularly high rent value. And it doesn't really need a good location. You can put storage pretty much any place. That's right. But as far as an asset class, it's, it's, we have less industrial than we have anything else in Santa Barbara. There, there just is so, not that much industrial. So what you're saying, in, in other words, is because the supply is low, the demand is high because people aren't pulling out of that like they would be in a boutique or a restaurant where they're being um, whipsawed with kind of the regulations of uh, can you open, can you not open, what capacity is it outside, is it inside? So it's more of a safe bet for investors. Is that what you're saying? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And are you seeing that this, the trend that we're having here in Santa Barbara be nationwide or is it unique to just us? We're, we're an absolute anomaly. Um, you know, the vacancy rate in LA for office, for example, is right around 20%. Here, it's really high for us and it's around 7%. So as part of an overall portfolio, people look towards Santa Barbara as an as a gold mine. It's not going to give you the year over year return, but as far as being an asset that you can hold on to um, and hopefully, you know, make, make money on in the future, that's a guaranteed result. It's been pretty darn good here in Santa Barbara. And that that's what makes it such an anomaly, you know, people running here and buying residences like we're finding in Hope Ranch and, and, San, and in, in Montecito is, is another whole group of people here who, who are looking to invest in Santa Barbara real estate. So, Again, we're an anomaly, and, and it's been wonderful um, to see kind of a reinsurgence of new people in our market. So are you, are you seeing new tenants looking for space, and are there deals to be had if you're the tenant looking for space? We are, we are, find, we are finding deals happening. A lot of, most of the, the sales we're finding are, are owner-user sales. Most of the, um, the leasing is, are people that have already been here that are, that are moving to new areas. What we're not seeing yet is a lot of people coming and a lot of the tech community coming from San Francisco and LA, which I have a feeling we're going to see soon. I'm, I'm uh, hopeful. So you think that we're going to see more technology companies moving to town, getting space, whether it be in Goleta or downtown Santa Barbara. Yeah. Following and, and suit they, after Amazon, really. I, I think you're, I think that's absolutely it. And I don't think it'll be these giant campuses. It might just be a smaller office with a hub. It'll, it'll either be a smaller office with a hub and most people working at their homes, or it'll be a larger office um, where people can really space themselves out. The truth is yet to really hit the streets. Well, if they do start coming here, they better bring some apartments with them because they need a place for their, their employees to live. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. Are you ready to start and run your own successful business? Ready to grow your small business or home business? Women's Economic Ventures is a local nonprofit helping women start and build successful businesses. 
In addition to their highly successful self-employment training program, Weave offers services to help women succeed at every stage of their business, from startup and launch to building and sustaining a business, including individual business counseling, professional networking events, advanced business training, and small business loans to start or expand a business. Over 1,000 local businesses are now owned and operated by women who have taken part in programs and services. Whether you're ready to start up, launch, build, or sustain your business, Women's Economic Ventures is right here to help you make it happen. Call 965-6073 or visit weaveonline.org. It only takes a minute to find out if you may have prediabetes. And you can do it at doihaveprediabetes.org. But you're probably not going to, are you? Kids, work, listening to the radio. You're busy. Which is great, because busy people can't get prediabetes. Oh my, I read that wrong. (laughs) They can. Should have worn my glasses. So visit doihaveprediabetes.org and take a short test, because prediabetes can be reversed. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its prediabetes awareness partners. Money Talk brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. So Rob, given our historically low interest rates, and we've seen interest rates be low, you know, through pretty much the 2000s, I keep, I have kept saying, oh God, they've got to go up and they just keep coming down. How are you seeing that um, over the long term affects commercial real estate, both office and, and retail? What we're finding is, is there's just a lot of people. There's a lot of people that want to buy in Santa Barbara. There's, and it's, it's fueling the fire more. Um, it, it's, it, they've been historically low, as you know, for quite a while. Um, it's just affecting the housing market more than anything. More people are buying homes here than ever before. And it kind of go back to what I said before. When more people buy homes here and more people come here, you know, it does affect our market. Moreover, it affects my, tra- my traffic patterns, which I'm not so happy about. <laughs> I give myself two minutes to get everywhere. And with all these people coming in from out of town, it makes, makes the commute longer. So, so, when, so there are people in town that are, that are moving here and have already moved here who are wealthy, who like to own things in their own town. So there are, I have met people that you know, buy small commercial properties that just live here and think it's a great idea. But I remember talking to people in the business, in your business the last four or five years, and there was a real lack of interest among big uh, chain uh, retail establishments. You know, the, 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 the legend was they would come to state streets, see homeless people sleeping in the doorway and get back on a plane. Do, do you see, besides the fact that there are some local new people buying real, real commercial real estate here, do you see a resurgence at all in uh, national uh, retailers coming here? No, right, right now, none of the national retailers are looking to, um, to expand into a place like with, with our demography. They're looking for more people, and in many cases, they're pulling out of cities and just trying to figure out what to do. Um, we, a lot of the, the larger local people just don't have issues dealing with our local governance, um, and they, they, it takes a long time to open new shops here. Um, there's quite a bit unknown. In fact, we're seeing the exact opposite with Nordstrom's, Macy's, um, all these larger people leaving and, and really kind of going back to online 
it's something we saw way before COVID though. Um, it, I think COVID just pushed people through the door. Yeah. When I first moved here, I kind of felt like, uh, so that was in 98. I felt like it was kind of the, the business card for all of these national, uh, retailers that they'd have a small store here, which was a, you know, C grade, B grade, whatever you call it in your business store. It wasn't the high end. It didn't have everything, but it was almost like a business card so that people would see it here. Has that, has that gone by the wayside everywhere, just not in Santa Barbara, but are they pulling out of communities such as ours because it's too expensive to have that type of footprint? I, I think they are pulling out of, of areas like ours just for, for the footprint. But again, it, it depends on the specific, you know, specific place and, and a specific company because there are certain fashion companies that have to have, you know, their office in Beverly Hills and there's certain, um, certain surf shops and things that have to be in, in Venice beach. And, in, you know, and so, so I think it really depends on, on the, but, but largely, you know, people are, are leaving their small footprint in, so that they can, people can point to their online uh, sales and, and say, Hey, you, you do have a shop somewhere um, and you do have a face, but, but they're not 5,000 feet. They're, they're, so, they're smaller than they, than they used to be. So when you look at uh, your, the, your business, the commercial brokerage business, um, you always see uh, two or three different signs. One of which is yours is, is the business, your business uh, basically two, three players uh, and a couple of one-offs. Uh, and what is the outlook for your business? Do you see enough deals for the amount of, of brokers that are, that are here? There, there's plenty of deals for the brokers that are here. Um, the great thing about being in Santa Barbara is it's not like LA where you can do, you know, a bunch of deals and you make somebody mad and you just move on because you may never see them again. The beauty of our market is, is you, you catch yourself. If you, uh, if you do something wrong to someone or, or something goes, has have, you have an issue with a transaction, you, you know, you have to face that person again. You might even sell them another building or, or work with them. And I think that's what sets, you know, sets us apart is, is there are, there are a lot of brokers here, but we all, we all work together better than anybody else. So no, I don't think there's a lack of transactions. I think there's always reason to be creative. Um, you just can't be sitting on your heels. So we, to, let's transition for a minute into your thoughts about New York City. You know, right now you have the residential real estate and commercial real estate in Manhattan at an all-time low. I have people that are looking to purchase apartments in New York or commercial buildings in New York just because they think that they're not going to get any lower. Do you, how long do you think, how long do you think markets such as those major metropolitan areas are going to stay suppressed due to COVID? And do you think they'll ever come back to where they were pre-COVID? It's too hard to say. I think it depends a lot on the, on the local governance in that area and how they deal with opening up. Um, you know, it, it depends on future COVID numbers, which we, we just really can't even guess. Um, and, uh, but I think as the sun comes out and we get uh, we get some of these vaccines on the on the road, uh, hopefully we just look at this as a, as a minor blip. My question is how much, um, and, and, and certainly with retail, how much of online has kind of already taken over, and how many people are moving to their homes, into their home offices, and not going back. And I I think that we're going to find that a lot of the companies are going to look back at their data, look back at their sales teams being at home, working with you know kids running around. And they might not find that, that uh, the efficiency is there, but we won't really know till the rubber hits the road. And so I, I don't know how that's going to affect, you know, those metropolitan areas. It, I, you know, if you, 
if you live in New York in a, in a you know, thousand square foot loft with three kids, you probably are not going to work in your house for very long. Um, but it will, what it will <laughs> no, do, you want to get out at all costs, right? right. <laughs> what it might do is, is force people into the, you know, the, the Kiva, the impact hub type, type uh, co-working spaces. And, and it'll be interesting to see if, if, if that, and, you know, with more of a platform becomes more of the mode in big cities. And so you, so you think that, that this transition to that remote employee for employers, it, you're, we're going to continue to see that for some time into the future? I, I think we will for a little while. It really depends on, on the business. Certain businesses thrive on it. Um, certain businesses really want to see you in person. Um, you still can't try on a pair of jeans, you know, online. So I think I think there's just certain businesses that it doesn't work. Certain att- attorneys have to work largely meet. Uh, a lot of attorneys have to meet with people directly. They, they like that. Um, I also think that, that kind of the older um, group, the, the baby boomers and, and everybody, they still do want to meet people in person, and, and that's a, a very important um, a important thing to note. Um, as, as the vaccine comes out, they're they're going to want to be seeing people in person to talk about their financial decisions. The problem with that, I, I can speak as a baby boomer, is that you uh, maybe want to meet, but you've got nothing to say. <laughs> uh, I think the real issue here is a social issue, uh, you know, in terms of what are 30, 40 year old people, how do they want to structure their life? And, and you know, the, the COVID experience has given them, you know, they, now that they've seen Paris, can you keep them down on the farm? And I think the question is going to be, uh, and no one knows the answer to this, whether or not people, and not everyone, but a lot of people that otherwise would have naturally gone to big cities are going to want that lifestyle of, you know, being stuffed in the subway, commuting, uh, not seeing your kids until 7.30 at night, whether or not the trade-off of having a screaming kid is better than, uh, you know, the type of uh, effort you need to make to commute. And, you know, I think we don't know the answer to that. And that's one of the risks of buying that asset class. If you're going to buy office buildings in big cities that, uh, and even apartment buildings in big cities, you really have to answer that question. I'm not sure anyone is in a position to answer that. Uh, You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back. It's a fact. Successful wealth management is built on strategies that focus on the big picture, take a long-term view, and establish deep and valued relationships. Hello, I'm Diane Duva, founding partner at Arlington Financial Advisors, Santa Barbara's trusted family guide, empowering you to make more informed and confident decisions. At Arlington Financial Advisors, we bring order and balance to your financial life by monitoring and managing risk so you can focus on your work, family, and enjoying the moment. We are a fully independent firm offering strategic financial planning, estate and tax planning, and private money management. Our plans and portfolios are handcrafted using a rigorous and disciplined approach, supported by a consistent yet highly personalized client experience. Our clients look to Arlington Financial Advisors as a home away from home, a comfortable place to protect what they've accomplished while they prepare for what comes next. Please visit ArlingtonFinancialAdvisors.com or call me, Diane Duva, at 805-699-7300. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker. 
your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by American Riviera Bank, making your life easier with cutting-edge technology, mobile deposits, free use of every ATM machine in the country, and a level of service other banks can only dream about. So, Rob, tell us about what you think, you know, I keep hearing the proposals and, you know, Neil's comment about if these more tech companies come to town, are they going to bring apartments with them? And then there's always the rumor that Nordstrom is going to form the location formerly where Nordstrom was and formerly where Macy's was in Paseo Nuevo was going to be turned into residential from commercial space. Do you see that happening? And what are the pitfalls or pros and cons of, of doing something like that? I would love to see that happen. I think it'd be great. I think the more housing that we can put downtown, the better off we are. I think the problem with uh, the problem with doing that is just a lack of parking. Um, but if we haven't proven that we don't need parking any more than now, uh, I, I don't. We, I don't know. I don't know when we've shown that we don't need parking more than now. We've taken pretty much almost all the parking spots in town. It seems like with a parkette. So I, I really don't think we need it. I just don't know if we're going to be able to find a developer that's willing to sink the money into doing that and going through the process and like, unless we can figure out a way to expedite it for them. So, so you basically think that the rules and regulations basically at city hall and the planning department will be what keeps, keeps that from happening just because of the costs and the time and the delay that's, that's happened. Yeah. Mostly the cost, right? If it made sense financially, you'd have people running here right and left. Um, But I, I don't think it, by the time you put in the infrastructure, you need to make it housing. That, that it will make sense. But I would love for it to. I mean, look at Pasadena, uh, Paseo, Colorado above uh, uh, in, in Pasadena is, is one example of where they put housing up there and it cleaned up the whole area. All of a sudden, you know, the homeless population did, wasn't hanging out there. Uh, same thing with, uh, with Santa Monica. They did a wonderful job and largely it's because people were there. People were hanging out. People were, were walking around, getting their groceries. Um, and and it, it breathed a lot of life at night, especially into that area where, where safety became more of a concern. And I, I really, I would love to see it happen. I'm just, uh, I don't know if it will. Yeah, and part of our problem here is that we're, 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 ver- we're vertically low. So in Santa Monica, I know that what they've done is they've basically done a high rise on top of pretty much a, a, a commercial space, if you will, or the mall or what have you. And so that it's harder to make it uh, work from a developer standpoint economically if you only have three floors or four floors. Well, and think now with COVID with only two people going into an elevator at once, I've heard of pretty long lines in New York and San Francisco for people just trying to go up to their houses to where they live. So, um, so you know, maybe that will end up being a benefit of, of our housing if we can figure out how to, how to make it work in, in downtown. But the density is, is still an issue for those lowest projects. You, you just, 
I don't know if you could get the units in. Um, I would love to see it. Get get the units in to, to support the cost of the project. So, do you have a particular specialty? Like, what is what are you what what are you working on now? What what is uh, the kind of thing that you find is your bread and butter type of business? You know, some guys in, in my office do. Um, I, I don't. Well, I kind of do it all. I'm kind of the the jack of all trades um, in that sense. Um, but I think largely most of the deals that I'm working on right now are industrial. And can you give us an example of a deal you've done? Like what's industrial in this community that we would, that we could, you know, put a, put a, put a definition to. Uh, that's it. An industrial deal I just did was down out on Linmar in, um, in Goleta. I, I, I leased out to a self storage company there, or actually a storage and moving company there, allied, allied storage. Um, and they took about 26,000 feet. Um, and it, it's a great space. Uh, and what we're finding is th- those leases are still happening. You know, a lot of leases are still ha- happening. In fact, a lot of sales are still happening. Uh, as as part of part of a, a a total volume, our sales in 2019 we had 58 sales. In 2020 we had 47. So not not that not 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 that big of a difference. When you're talking in volume, though, we had 320 million dollars of sales in 2019, whereas we had 168 million in sales in 2020. And I, I think that's really due to the fact that the, the buyer now is more of an owner user buyer, not an investor, because there's, there's just too many unknowns. And so are investors in Santa Barbara a different breed than an investor in a, a major metropolitan area? Are they, is it more likely for it to be a owner occupied type of scenario or is that just happenstance because 2020 has a host of unknowns and, and craziness going on? Well, I think it's lending too. Uh, I don't think that the lenders have been as, as easy to deal with for, for conventional financing as they have been with, with some SBA deals. Like, I could be wrong about that, but I know the SBA financing program has been pretty good. Um, I, I think that just investors didn't, they need to kind of see a horizon um, what's going to happen with COVID and with the election. And, and so they didn't, uh, they didn't end up jumping in too, too hard in, in 2020. Um, but I, you know, I think that, uh, I think a lot of, of investors here, uh, a lot of our local investors are able to see through uh, the weeds a little bit. And uh, if it's a good deal, it's selling quickly. I mean, properties are selling between four and 5% cap rates. And, and I, like I said before, as part of an overall portfolio to any investor, Santa Barbara with our low vacancy rates, I mean, we have we have probably some of the lowest vacancy rates in all of California, and that's what's going to drive a lot of these these investors to come here is because they're realizing that this is a thirty year hold. You know, again, it's not going to be probably the place. There's a few home runs for every year, but it's not going to probably gonna be the place to, to buy a building and make make a ton of money year over year. But but over a long a long haul, it, it's people are finding it, it's very um, very good. Now, with the with the owners of the buildings on Coast Village Road, this has kind of been like a one-two punch for them, you know, with the mud with the mud flow and the fires in 2018 or 17, 18, and then you know now with COVID, are you seeing an increased activity of what people wanting to sell, or are they just holding firm? No, pretty much everybody's holding firm. Yeah, yeah, I, I haven't seen anyone wanting to sell um, again. Our, our, our tenants are, are, have been great. Um, we've done a good job keeping them. I, I don't know what's going to happen uh, when we, we kind of, when, when you can evict people and when the moratorium's over, but, but I, I'm finding that, that tenant and landlord relationships are, are pretty important and have been pretty good. 
uh, overall, landlords have been working with tenants. Um, and we're seeing obviously some more vacancies on State Street. I, I don't know whether that's due to, I'm sure it's due to COVID with, the, with a lot of the restaurants, but, but there's a lot of restaurants where you know, you're seeing the owners, you see it, they, they're there every day, every night. And it's amazing just to see the push some of these, these people have done to, to keep things flowing and, and these, these creative ideas. And it's just great. And I hope, I hope we kind of continue the, the creativeness in our community. Yeah, I, I hope so too. And I hope everyone keeps wearing a mask so that these poor restaurants don't have to get shut down again. You know, Absolutely. as our rates continue to go up, wear a mask and stay home, except Absolutely. to go out to eat and keep, keep the economy going. So, so now if you have an investor right now coming to you and saying, you know, Rob, I'm really looking to get into the commercial real estate market. Um, would you recommend retail as well as, um, you know, office space? What, what advice would you have for them if they were kind of first timers trying to figure it out? Absolutely. I, I, would, I would recommend office or, or retail in a heartbeat if you can, if you can find the right place. I, you know, there, there are certainly deals out there um, and the deals aren't going to be in, in, in industrial, like I was saying. I think the deals are going to be in retail and they are going to be in office. And if you're willing to, to take a, a sacrifice, I mean, take, for example, the Log Me In building in Goleta. That property sold um, only a few months ago for, for $20 million, um, which was an equivalent of about a six and a quarter cap rate. Um, but they knew they were buying it and they got such a great deal for it because it was, it was bought vacant. There's, there's three or four or five offers now on that property. And that's from big tech. So you know, it's, it's very interesting. It's going to be more interesting to see what happens. But we, there's just too many unknowns right now. You're listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KZSB, and we'll be right back with our final segment. For prospective homebuyers, one of the most important steps of the loan process is getting clear and honest information from someone who will speak plainly and truthfully about loan programs and options. I'm Kelly Marsh, Vice President, California of Cornerstone Home Lending, where our highly skilled and experienced team takes great pride in helping clients obtain home financing with honest, knowledgeable, fast, friendly, and efficient service. As a Santa Barbara native who has spent the past 20 years in the mortgage industry and has closed over 4,000 loans, I'd appreciate the opportunity to earn your business and invite you to visit the kellymarshteam.com or call my office at 805-563-1100 to learn more about how Cornerstone Home Lending can help you determine the best way to manage mortgage debt to achieve a more stable financial future. Licensed by the Department of Business Oversight under the California Residential Mortgage Lending Act. California Residential Mortgage Lending Act license number 41DB072220. California Financial Lending Law license number 60DB072528. Loan originator NMLS number 245822. Not a commitment to loan. Equal housing opportunity. Hi, I'm Jeff Devine from American Riviera Bank. All of our customers were once just like you, stuck with a bank that kept charging more for less. But when they finally made the decision to change banks, American Riviera Bank made the move easy with mobile deposit, online banking, free use of every ATM in the country, and a level of customer service that other banks dream of. Come in and make the move today in our downtown Santa Barbara or Montecito Upper Village branches. American Riviera Bank, smart banking for smart people. A word from the cast of Hot in Cleveland. Want to hear a joke? Oh, yes, yeah, sure. sure. <laughs> What's the number one killer of women? Well, you're still here, so that rules out crankiness. <laughs> and tracksuits. Uh, heart disease. 
But that's a joke? No, it's an absolute fact, but the American Heart Association says you can save lives by passing it along to five women you love. Aww. So I'm starting with three I tolerate. (laughs) That's a joke. Find out more at GoRedForWomen.org. Welcome back to Money Talk, brought to you by Arlington Financial Advisors, a leading wealth management firm founded on providing thoughtful, objective, and comprehensive financial guidance for families and entities who are seeking long-term financial confidence. And if you're just joining us, we have the pleasure of having Rob Hamblinton from, I just butchered your name, Rob, I'm sorry, I've been trying all all segment um, to say it correctly. Um, from Radius. uh, And we are talking about the commercial real estate uh, industry here in in Santa Barbara. And so, you know, we were talking on the break, Rob, that you have, you know, Radius just, you guys just put together a economic forecast and there's some information that you have where if somebody was looking to read that, where would they go to find it? Yeah. If you go to uh, www.radiusgroup.com, it should be right there on the, on the front page is is a recording of our our recommended forecast that's um, that we had with uh, Peter Rupert uh, from the UCSB Economic Forecast as well, um, and Steve Brown from our office, and Brad Froling and, and Steve Golis. So uh, it's a great overview of the market. Those guys did a wonderful job, and uh, we're glad to have it. And, and there's information on that that you, you probably won't find anywhere else. So go ahead and, and, and take a look at that. And if somebody was looking to start their their search or start the process of, of buying a commercial, whether it be real, real retail or office space, how would they get in touch with you if they wanted to, you know, retain your services? Yes. Yeah, so, so the best way would just be, be to call the office um, at, 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 or, or, or better yet, uh, you know, shoot an email to Radius Group, but, but the best phone number would be 805-965-5500. Um, just just you know, it's, shoot it seems interesting. You know, this is a community that most of the signs you see are from local companies. You very rarely see a Christian Wakefield or um, a CBRE sign. Uh, it, it, is that because uh, you're such a tight community or is that because the bigger companies just aren't interested? I think it is. I think it's because we're a tight community. Um, and I think it's because a lot of our transaction are, are relationship based. Um, a large amount of our transactions are off market as well. Um, and, and, and Santa Barbara is not, um, it's not as cookie cutter as LA or San Francisco. You go one or two blocks in either direction and, and your values are, are either up or down. So to, to understand Santa Barbara, you kind of have to live here. And, and those of us, like, like all of us on here who live here know that. So when you, when you say you have inventory that people don't see, I know the the uh, residential businesses are being forced to give up pocket listings uh, uh, because the uh, the general view is that it's fairer to have listings be be public. I guess there's no restraint in the commercial side. No, it, it, I guess I wouldn't say that we hold things off the market for any reason. But what we do is just find out about things before they come out. That's really that's really what it is more than anything. Um, we well, and I also it. think it's because you know your clients better and you yeah. know what they're looking for. And therefore, in your conversations with other brokers, you're able to say, hey, I'm looking for X, Y, Z. And they're more likely to tell you that it, that they have something if they do. 
Exactly. Exactly. And, the, and there's a, you know, there are, um, there, there are transactions, quite a few that happen with, with brokers outside of, uh, of, of Hayes commercial and radius commercial and, um, and kind of the, the larger local commercial brokerages. So. The other element that you see sometimes with the big companies is the broker invests with the client. Does that happen here? Yeah, it happens, but I think it's, it can be a sticky situation if, if, uh, if you don't know who you're, if you don't know your client very well. For sure. So I wanted to ask about the Goleta corridor where, you know, really that was the high tech corridor and there's been a ton of building. Is there a lot of vacancy out there? There, you know, there is a lot of vacancy, but, but the thing about our market is, is one, one, if one of them uh, is, is, sorry, we, we have a, quite a, sm a small market up there um, that's kind of dictated by, by large vacancies. So take, for example, um, 85,000 square feet uh, that was just that just became available. That'll that'll affect the market, you know, by by a few points. Um, right now, uh, the the market up there is, is not it's not that it's not terrible. We we have seen it worse. The Galita uh, office market is is only at 7.8 percent vacancy. Now that's pretty high, but but dictated by um, two of the largest vacancies go off the market and it and it's going to dip down to three percent. Um, so it, it, it is interesting. Again, it, it comes back to to why people buy here is because of that low vacancy rate, um, and and why people pay a little bit more here is because of that low vacancy rate. Well, thank you so much for all your um, insights. It was very interesting and very um, insightful. So we really appreciate you being our guest today, and um, I I hope you um, wish you the best during COVID. <laughs> Thanks so much. You as well. And thank you all for listening. You've been listening to Money Talk on AM 1290 KCSB, and we'll see you all next week. It's 